I'm at home uh, in Bondi and I am sitting at my home desk at my home office, which is like a, literally a hallway. And I'm wearing a skirt that's about, I think, seven years old um, and a sort of T-shirt. Very, I'm very basically dressed and um, really embarrassing. I haven't cleaned my teeth yet because I've had two kids <laughs> that have been maniacs from the moment they woke up this morning and I've just been trying to diffuse every tantrum and um, argument and try and get at least something healthy into their system this morning. Hi, I'm Katrina Blowers and you're listening to Claiming Your Confidence, conversations where we pull back the curtain on what it takes to live your most confident life. I'm a journalist and TV newsreader and of all the people I've interviewed over the years, confidence isn't something any one of them was born with. So what separates those who refuse to let that self-doubt hold them back? Let's find out. Here's a personal question. How confident are you with money? Personally, this has been one of the biggest challenges I've been working on, which is why I am so thrilled for this week's guest, Canna Campbell, known by millions across the globe as a female financial guru. You know, saying, oh, I'm bad with money, that's going to stop. Um, You've got to start saying, I'm making changes with the way that I use money. I'm getting better at using money. Hannah's a financial planner who, with her books, her popular YouTube channel, Sugar Mama. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sugar Mama TV. And her podcast shows how anyone can build wealth and generate passive income because she once had to claw her way out of debt too. I remember sitting in the kitchen and just feeling so overwhelmed, exhausted, just in this big, dark, black, scary hole. No matter where you are right now, Canna's here to give you the confidence to reach your big financial dreams. It's never, ever too late. She's also going to let us in on how she and her partner do money. So here's Canna Campbell on claiming her confidence. Now, I first came across you in a way that I'm sure lots of people do. Uh, I was walking through the airport and saw your book. It just kind of leapt out at me. And at that point in time, I was also going through a divorce and I read the blurb on the back about how you had come up with the $1,000 project um, when you found yourself a a single mum. And I just thought it resonated with me so much. And first of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you for writing a book that was so honest about your personal circumstances and providing hope to people who I guess found themselves in a situation they never expected to be in. Life um, can change in the blink of an eye and, you know, I think we, as prepared as we are, obviously not that we want to be preparing for the worst to be negative, but I think trying to always focus on our strength and resilience so that we can handle any situation that gets thrown us is really important. Yeah. I would love to sort of go back to the beginning of your journey in the financial world. One of the things that I did not know about you when I was reading your latest book, Mindful Money, was that you had some learning difficulties at school. You Mm. said you were dyslexic, you had auditory perception difficulty and a stutter. I did not know that and you would never know that now. 
I, when I'm tired I or anxious, I start to stutter again. But I had speech pathology for, I think, I think three or four years with the most amazing woman, and she used to teach me to change my breathing approach, and I would have to draw with my finger on a piece of felt what I was trying to say. So if I was trying to tell a story, I had to draw with my finger on the felt so that I would slow my brain down and because all the words would try and come out at the same time. It would just be this big mess and I couldn't breathe and I'd be panting and puffing. And um, so she, she taught me an incredible skill. And I think all those, you know, the that creative way of overcoming a challenge has helped me with my dyslexia, my audio perception, um, you know, even like the simplest things from figuring out my left from my right, which I still get mixed up every single time, like driving in the car, giving me instructions is a recipe for disaster. But, um, you know, I've had to, I've had to come up with creative ways to overcome it or in at times to actually mask it as well. Cause I was, you know, I, I'm open about it, but I'm also quite embarrassed about it as well. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy. Uh, and at school I had to study, three times as hard as everyone else and I'd still get a very average mark it was it was it was um it was quite deflating for me I think being at school yeah so a lot of kids would have gone the other way and just sort of thrown their hands up in the air and said you know whatever and found other things that weren't as helpful Mm. or moved the needle forward in their life but you as you said you chose to study three times as hard where do you think that drive came from it was definitely something I, I remember studying for HSC and I studied so hard and I just I just wanted to be able to say to myself, I tried my very, very best. And, and, and that was really important to me. I didn't want to look back with any regrets. So I think that's what really made me focused. Um, and, you know, the stupid thing with school is it doesn't really matter. You know, the, that number that you get at the HSC, um, it's so irrelevant because you can, there are other different pathways into different tertiary educational courses and um, it's not the be all and end all, and there's so much pressure put on you at school to, to do well, and that is important. And it's a lot of it's healthy stress and pressure, but sometimes it can easily go too far the other way and be detrimental. So, it's it's just about finding that right balance of pushing yourself, but also being kind and gentle to yourself, and understanding at the end of the day you need to have no regrets, know that you you tried your very very best, and and that's you know where you get to. And there are so many other ways to get to get around you know your your dream job or your dream career path. I mean, well, look at you. You've created a, a space for yourself. And I guess looking back now, you know, you're an entrepreneur, a successful businesswoman. You have your own YouTube channel, which has had millions of downloads. Yeah. You are a two time author. Like, do you sometimes look back at that girl, you know, your, the, the childhood version of yourself and just want to give her a hug and some <laughs> words of encouragement? Um. I, I, you know, I don't, I was, I, maybe I'm being too hard on myself, but I think everything I've done, I've done, done in, in a fun, creative way. Um, so it's, it's been such a joyful way. Um, and look, there've been huge sacrifices along the way. There's no doubt about it, but I just, I'm the sort of person that's, I'm the opposite of all talk, no action. I don't talk about anything to anyone and I just go and do it. And all of a sudden people are like, Oh, Oh, when did you decide you were going to do that? And <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's already done. Like I just, I just like to sort of get on with it, and for me, staying humble is is, is important, and um, not getting too big for my own boots. And uh, it's as I said, it's, it's been a, especially the YouTube stuff and all of my Sugar Mama brands. Like that has been such an, a fun, creative process. It's almost been like a form of therapy for me. Like 
Um, especially when I, you know, the thousand dollar project, for example, that was something that I created when I was pretty much at my rock bottom, um, in life. And I distinctively remember sitting at my, at my desk at my old house and thinking, I really want to get back into investing, but I'm on such a tight budget. I had just paid huge legal fees to get out of my marriage. And, um, I just was on, I had no savings because that went in legal fees. I had, I was on a tight budget because I had to, I, I paid out my partner um, his share of the house and took on all the debt and I had to make it work, but I had no money to invest. And that's what I really enjoyed investing and building up passive income streams. So that was where the thousand dollar project was created. It's like, well, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to find ways to come up with extra money outside of my budget and any money I come up with, I'll invest. And it just, that sense of progress gave me so much joy and, you know, re-energized my soul um, and it gave me a sense of purpose again and it was it was so important. So it was a creative element that had so many other, you know, flow-on effects from it. You know what else I love about the idea of the $1,000 project is you made it into a fun game and yeah. that, that also uh, took away because I think a lot of people find themselves in financial circumstances that they never expected for whatever reason, mm. whether it's the end of a marriage or just, you know. Bad luck. Who, yeah, who knows? Uh, and there's so much shame, so mm. much shame and guilt and you kind of by making it into a fun game and a challenge you you took away a lot of those negative feelings and mm. um yeah, that's what I loved about that so for yeah. people who don't know the kind of there's some little rules around the $1,000 project aren't there <laughs> well there are no rules you make your own rules <laughs> um <laughs> the one thing I will say about the $1,000 project and I've spoken to people around the world who've done the $1,000 project um is it gives you it boosts your confidence you know especially people who've hit rock bottom uh, you know, the thousand dollar project is, is where you draw the line in the sand and go from this point on, I'm going to get, I'm going to heal. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to, you know, get it back on top of my finances. I'm going to pay off my debt. I'm going to build my savings and start investing. It builds your sense of self-worth and, and confidence. So the, the no rules of the thousand dollar project are, is you come up with a number. So for me, a thousand dollars was a doable number. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was like, okay, I'm going to save $10,000 because that at the time was just unfathomable um, and unrealistic for my situation. So I thought, you know what, I can do $1,000 because that's just 10 times, $1,000. I will, you know, I can do $70 here, $50 there, $5 there, and it can quickly add up. So that you come up with a number, you open up a separate dedicated savings account and you look at your budget, you look at your what other hacks and hustles and habits you can change in your life to, to bring in some extra money. And every time you make that money, you immediately transfer it into your call it your $1,000 project savings account. And the moment there's a certain amount of money in there, and for me it was $1,000, you, you go and do something with that money. Now, for me it was investing in blue chip Australian shares but for some people, they, they use it as soon as they get $1,000 in their savings account, they transfer it to their credit card debt. So if someone's got, say, $8,000 in credit card debt, it's now down to 7000 And they, they do it again and you repeat the process. And the $1,000 project portfolio is worth, it's got a $50,000 margin loan attached, but it's worth $185,000 even after uh, the, this pandemic that we're dealing with. Amazing. And the only, I suppose, you know, there are no rules, but it can't come from your existing income, can it? It has to be sort of things that are generated outside of your current pool of money. Is that right? 
No, no, that was the rule I put on myself. Ah, um, right. Because I, I, I wanted to show people that you're, you could make your own money, like you can hustle money, and I, that was the rule that I imposed. So, I wasn't allowed to tap into my own savings, or it was just fine because I didn't have any at the time. But um, it has to. It, so you can go through your budget and say, for example, you might cut your Netflix subscription, or you might say, okay, well, I'm going to take my lunch to work three times a week instead of buying lunch every day. So. It's it's up to you whether you can do it, and you might go well. Look, I just got a pay rise, and I get an extra two hundred dollars per month after tax. So you could put that towards the thousand dollar project. You create your own rules. So I just wanted to prove to people the power of a hustle, and and not you know not being defined by the situation you're currently in. That you know you can create opportunities, and I use those opportunities for the thousand dollar project. But if you're in a situation where you're like, oh, actually, I don't have any debt. I've got really good cash flow. I've got some savings. Um, I'd like to be able to contribute $200 a month to a $1,000 project. You can definitely do that. That's why I say you create your own rules. Did you ever think that it would ever get as big and as much momentum as it has? <laughs> um Yes and no. When I first launched Sugar Mama or was about thinking of launching Sugar Mama, I saw a kinesiologist and I said to her, look, I've got this business idea. I just don't know whether I, I go all or nothing or just test the water and try a little bit. And I'd, I would, I'd never seen a kinesiologist before and she had a couple of sessions with me and she's like, you need to do, give this everything it's got, you've got. It's going to do incredibly well. Just, just don't cut any corners, invest in it, put your time, put everything you've got into it and it will, it will pay off. And, and she was right. And, um, and then five years ago, which would have been exactly a year on from building Sugar Mama, I saw a, a clairvoyant and um, I spoke to him on the phone and um, it was amazing clairvoyant that came highly recommended. And I wanted to talk to him about my love life. And uh, it, it was amazing the stuff he said he picked, and I hadn't met Tom at the time and he picked it to a T, it was incredible. But it, he said to, he started going into business stuff because he kept on saying to me, look, you're, I'm seeing books, I'm seeing television, and he didn't know anything, didn't even know my name. And um, he kept on saying stuff about working with America, on um, getting a books, being on television. He's like, And he kept on saying all this stuff, and he asked if he could keep going with it. And I said, yes, of course. And he basically has predicted everything that has happened. And for oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I, I might have to get his name. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and he, even to the, so, he even predicted the house that Tom and I bought. You know, and it was, um, it it was absolutely. In, so I I think I had that confidence to go. All right, I'm going to put everything I've got into this, and I'm going to make sure it pays off. Like I'm really determined, and um, and I'm probably a bit cynical sometimes in my own stuff. Like we all can be. You know, it's always if you're in that world of building digital media businesses it's always like okay more followers more hits more users more subscribers more followers you're always looking for the next big thing so I I mean I don't think what I've done is necessarily phenomenal at all because I look at other people and what they've done but that's the danger you've got to stop looking at other people and I need to follow Mm. my own advice and just go well hang on look how far I've come and what we do with my staff is we have goals we've got written down and we review them and check in on them and say how far we've come, come. And we look at the goals and we're like, okay, we haven't achieved that. But then when we look at what we were at at that point in time, three months ago, six months ago, 12 months ago, we actually go, wow, 
we've come so far. And that goal was a very overly ambitious goal, which is great to have, but look how far we've come. And that's when we kind of go, all right, yeah, this is, this is working. We're getting through to people. We're making a difference. Mm, I kind of want to, I want to get into, you know, how to build money confidence for people who Mm. are putting that out there as a, as a goal for this year. But I'd love to know when you first started putting yourself out there on your YouTube channel, I can imagine that would have been quite daunting for someone who'd never had a lot of experience in front of the camera before. (laughs) Talk us through that and how you... How did you do that? And and how also did you decide how much of yourself you were going to put out there? I, if you watch my first video on YouTube, it's, it's I'm cr- I cringe when I look at it. I'm almost like a, I, I memorized my words. Um, and I was so awkward and uptight and like a really bad um, TV anchor from like, <laughs> like uh, when TV Front line. Run, Yeah, like literally <laughs> shocking. I, like, I can't even look at it. Like even I see the image come up, I'm like, oh. But um, that's my journey. Like that's where I've had to learn. And um, you know, and even when I do stuff for you know the net, when I any of the networks, my t- my feet are like shaking under the 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 host's table. Like I still get nervous. So um, it, it's a huge adrenaline rush as well. But it, it's it's been a journey. I've had to learn to relax. And what happened was, I never thought people would be interested in hearing from me anything but money. But it was amazing. People started to say, look, can, we, can you show me how you shop? Can you show me how you balance being a single mum working for yourself? Can you show me how you juggle two dogs and, and you know, and a child? Like, And can you show me how you incorporate minimalism in your life? Can you show me how you stay fit and healthy? So I kind of just followed the lead of my followers and, and what they wanted. And obviously I had boundaries as to how far I would go in sharing things. But um, you know, it's I, I when I look at the followers, I don't look at it as a following. I look at it as a community, uh, and a highly engaged community where we share ideas, we share hacks, we share habits, we share tips and hints. And I think that's really important when it comes to education. One of the things that I have really enjoyed about following you is how you make minimalism aspirational and <laughs> it's not about denial, it's it's about being quite sort of intentional and purposeful with what you choose to have in your life. Yeah. Uh, did that Was that born out of necessity originally? I mean, how did you get that mindset shift? I had really bad um, post uh, traumatic syndrome and postnatal depression at the same time. It was um, a really dark place in my life. And I remember sitting, and this is when I was still married um, to my previous husband, uh, I remember sitting in the kitchen and just feeling so overwhelmed, exhausted, just in this big, dark, black, scary hole. And there was so much plastic crap around me. There was baby stuff everywhere. And you know when you have your first baby, everyone tells you you've got to buy this and that and you kind of believe in believe it and buy everything and think that's what's going to make life efficient but I just felt I was drowning and suffocated and stuff and I just thought I can't do this anymore and at at the same time the universe is a very powerful place because I discovered something about minimalism through the minimalists and I think I might have seen like just a very short clip somewhere online or something like that and literally in that moment I got up and I started getting rid of stuff I started you know giving things away I started decluttering I started you know, being really mindful as to the way I consumed. And I just started to remove the stuff and it started in the kitchen. And then it went to my wardrobe and realizing that there's clothes that I don't 
need anymore. I don't, I don't, I've got duplicates I don't need, I don't wear, they don't suit me, they don't write, what am I holding on to them for? And it started to infiltrate into so many other parts of my life and it has added so much clarity and re-energize my head and my heart. It's it's one of the most powerful things I've ever done for myself. And for anyone with mental health things, any mental health concerns, it's definitely something worth exploring and seeing if it helps. It's not a medication or a, a fix, quick fix thing at all, but it definitely, I've spoken to a lot of people where they've found it's helped their mental health and decluttering and, and just living a life with simplicity. Yeah, I agree. And it's about shifting energy mm. in your space as well. Absolutely. It's really powerful. You just if you've just got this spring to your step, you've got this lightness, you've got this this purpose again and it's so re-energizing and if look old habits die hard it's 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 not just a okay I'm going to declutter my whole entire house and now I'm a minimalist it's not at all and I don't even really call myself a minimalist I just say I incorporate a minimalistic philosophy into my life but it's you know I I do catch things creeping in and I and I just try and quickly catch on to it deal with it and then work out what where I went wrong and and then shift it and fix it and then get back on with my life but it's and it is hard with with two children um and and if you've ever seen them on my instagram account my partner's car you'll know with the hoarder that i'm living with um, <laughs> who oh, ironically no. has had his own lesson from the universe because he's been bitten by a spider and has been in hospital every day for the last week getting IV oh my drips. gosh yeah IV drips of antibiotics which she's not responding to and he's like yeah I think it was the spider in my car <gasps> oh my gosh <laughs> so, that's crazy I know. so he, he's gonna he's got his lesson coming about like maybe like not having so much stuff <laughs> You're listening to Claiming Your Confidence with Katrina Blowers and money expert Canna Campbell. Thanks so much for your company. Canna and I are about to dive into the biggest emotion that's probably standing between you and your financial dreams right now and why you need to ditch it. I would love to talk to you now about, we touched on this before, about shame, mm. shame around finances. How how common is it from people who you have spoken to who have a huge sense of shame, whether it mm. be about credit card debt, whether it be about not being as far ahead uh, in their finances as they would like, comparing themselves to other people, how common is it and how, um, I suppose, toxic is it to getting ahead with your finances? It's really common, incredibly common. Um, I only spoke to someone yesterday. I do I do online Skype consultations with people. There's general advice, but I was chatting to this lovely lady and she just broke down and started crying. And it, it's heartbreaking because it shame holds people back from taking the right action to fix it. And the, the, the good thing, though, is with shame, it's quickly, you can quickly combat it. Um, you, the moment you go, all right, I, I'm embarrassed about my credit card debt, but today I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make a promise to myself that I'm not going to use my credit card until my credit card is paid off. I'm going to make a promise to myself that I'm going to start putting extra money towards that credit card debt and I'm going to monitor it, review it, track it and make sure it comes down to zero and never get back into credit card debt again. The moment you step up and take ownership 
and responsibility and do something about it, that shame quickly starts to dissipate and you step into a place of empowerment. So it's quickly and easily fixed, but definitely it holds people back. And the thing is, I always say to people when they're like, oh, I'm I'm not good with money. And I'm like, number one, stop saying that because it's actually, I think, our system that's wrong. We're not taught how to do money and numbers at school, even university. We're taught how to balance sheets, uh, uh, P&Ls and balance sheets and all these technical accounting terms if you if you did some sort of business or accounting course at uni. But no one actually tells you, okay, this is what a credit card is, this is how you have to pay it off, this is what a budget is, this is why you need a budget, and this is what the benefits come from sticking to it. This is why you need to invest at a young age. This is why you need to make sure you invest on a regular basis. This is how you work out how to make sure you can retire on time. None of this is taught in either is school or university. So no one's been taught. So no wonder everyone's walking around feeling overwhelmed, shameful, guilty, embarrassed you know, about their finances because no one's been properly taught. And that's what I'm really trying to fix those, those black holes. One of the things, the first things that you have in your book, Mindful Money, one of the first steps is to come up with your number. Mm. Um, Would you mind talking us through what that is and what that concept is and um, why it's important? Okay. So your number is your passive income number. So, for example, say my living expenses are $60,000 a year. That's how much it costs for me to, to, you know, go on a holiday, um, you know, pay for petrol, food, my gym membership, all the things that are important to me is $60,000 a year. And uh, what we'll do is we'll add for simplicity $20,000 because we've got to factor in tax. I know that if I make $80,000 a year in, in investment income, so passive income from my investments, I'm technically financially free. I don't have to go to work if I don't want to. So therefore, my mindful money number is $80,000 a year. My key financial goal is to build up enough passive income that slowly builds up to $80,000 a year. And if I use the example of the $1,000 project, that pays me about $6,500 a year in passive income. So, you know, I'm, I'm on, my, on my way to building up my long-term passive income. And, of course, some people might say, well, hang on, that's a long way to go. But you've also got superannuation, which is also going to be another source of long-term growing passive income stream. And the more you put in, the more you get out, of course. So it's, it's important that everyone has a number because that's your light at the end of the tunnel. So work out your, your cost of living. Add in an amount that you'd need to pay in tax to earn that to give you that net amount, and that is your mindful number, and that is what you would you would focus some of your financial goals around. So, you know, starting to invest, and it, it's amazing how quickly it adds up. And if if I look at the thousand dollar project and that's six and a half thousand dollars a year, it makes me. That's all come from hustles and habits and hacks and tips and you know fun challenges. It's not it hasn't come out of my savings. So if I could break my own rules, it could potentially be more because I'd be taking some money out of my savings or my salary or so forth. Have you read that book um, by Lynn Twist called The Soul of Money? Have you read that one? I haven't, but it's on my list of books to read. Oh, so good. And the reason I brought that up is because her philosophy is very much about, you know, um, sufficiency and how you often have everything you already mm. need all around you and it's about thinking outside the square. Uh, and that's one of the things that I loved about 
the well, I can hear you. I'm so sorry. Just so you know, she's not by herself. She's got two people down there with her. I just feel bad for you. It's awful when you're trying to think and you've got a baby crying. No, no. I, I was actually thinking. I'm so glad I'm not down there right now because literally, <laughs> she um she found some chocolate in my handbag this morning um, while I was doing the grocery shopping online. And so she is sugared up and I'm, yeah, I'm really bad, <laughs> but I'm also really happy to be a little bit further away from her right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. So beautiful though. Um, so anyway, getting back to what I was talking about, one of the things that you also talk about, which is in a similar vein is about just switching your thinking and getting creative and how often you can be more savvy and find either savings or ways to generate income by just uh, first of all getting rid of the shame mm-hmm. and the negativity but putting yourself in that very mindful headspace yeah. which I love mm-hmm. it, I think that's so incredibly important you've got to go to a place of healing like draw a line in the sand if you're beating yourself up takes you nowhere but if you draw a line in the sand and go all right from this point forward I'm going to get better with money and that self-talk I think is incredibly important you know saying oh I'm bad with money that's that's going to stop um you've got to start saying I'm making changes with the way that I use money I'm getting better at using money I'm enjoying the the benefits that come from being more responsible with money I'm enjoying not having the the guilt of credit card debt in my life like it's it's a journey and it's not something you just happens overnight it's step by step, day by day, and there will be setbacks and there'll be challenges along the way. And even with what I do, I this morning, if you look on my history, I was looking at Manalo Blanc's um, sandals. <laughs> like they're going to be temptations and challenges, but it's just a matter of, you know, of acting on them when they're there and, and having balance in your life. You know, there'll be times where you can have those new sh- shoes, but there are times where you're like, no, I can't because I'm working on something that's that's important to me or it's going to add better value to my life than a new pair of shoes. Now, um, I encourage everyone to go and listen to your amazing podcast, if they haven't already, uh, where you share so much stuff. You you not only talk to other people about their mm. inspiring stories of how they've gotten out of debt or have built um, substantial passive incomes, but you also talk about you and Tom <laughs> and how you, you guys have different... Um, attitudes when it comes to money and, and it's been yeah. a real work in progress for you guys we, we do and we don't like you know Tom Tom loves to spend money on experiences he loves he loves to go to a you know a, a, a lovely lunch in a very expensive restaurant and order like he loves good wine whereas I you could give me a a bottle or not. actually I could have just tap water to be honest um and a pizza and I'll be just as happy um and you know he Tom doesn't ever buy clothes or anything like that whereas you know I'm happy to, to buy beautiful clothes so, you know he thinks that's ridiculous but and, and we came from very different backgrounds like when Tom met me I, I came as a package I had my son Rocco who at the time was just over two and a half I had a house with a mortgage and two dogs and two businesses and you know it, it was a lot to take on and Tom was this you know bachelor living in his bachelor pad in Bondi and uh, also works for himself as well and it's you know his background has always been very um property you know like that that was he always thought the only way to make money is to own property and my background is owning shares and whilst I own property as well I, I shares is where my my passion is and I have a huge amount of knowledge and education around it but we it's taken um you know we've taken such a healthy approach and doing it and amazingly we're on the same page and I can proudly say um and I don't I don't want to sound smug so I'll disclose up front that we do argue and we do occasionally fight but the one thing we don't ever 
argue or fight about is money. Hmm. We have learned to really respect each other's what, you know, if I want to buy a pair of shoes, Tom understands that, doesn't disrespect that. If Tom wants to go out and have a, a big boy's boozy lunch or a big night at the pub, then that's completely fine. Like that's what he values. That's what I value. And then together we have goals. We have goals that we work on together as a team. And we've also agreed that what we previously established before we met each other is off the table. And um, But at the end of the day, obviously it's all, all pulled together, you know, with us as a team. And we, we, um, it's it we've gone through a journey a process and it it works and it's it's one less thing to worry about in a in a modern world is is money yeah you know there's so many things we to worry about our health our family our jobs you know it's 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 hard and the one thing we don't we don't argue about it is money because we've got boundaries and we respect them and we have goals and we're working together we and we want to achieve those goals together well, and, and that's huge because finances is one of the leading causes of divorce. Yeah. It's one of the top things that mm. people argue about. And also, you know, that a, a lot of people I know have a marriage where uh, the, look, I don't want to put it down mm. gender lines, but it, it often is the woman who, you know, does sneaky oh, yeah. purchases online and hides them from the husband mm. because they don't have that kind of relationship where they can talk about money. Yeah, and it, I don't believe that I don't believe in in hiding things and and secrets and but what Tom and I have is which I think does help us I can spend without having to hide is we have a joint family account um which is what we pay for all our living expenses as a family unit so whether it be a babysitter whether it be the groceries the you know car insurance the house and contents Foxel, whatever it might be comes out of that account and then both of our salaries go into that one family account and then each month, at the beginning of each month, we each get the same amount of money to spend um, that gets us through for the rest of the month. And Tom can spend that money how he wants us. You know, it's, he's just, it's his business and I get the same amount as well and I can spend that as to, to what I want. And that's to pay for my gym membership, a haircut, a hair colour, if I want to get my nails done, um, you know, it, or clothes or presence or something like that that's completely my my money and he has the same amount as well and it's just fair and equal and to tom's huge credit you know we own different incomes and this is the one thing i come across a lot in relationships is people discredit themselves because they go well i don't own as much money as my husband and i'm like well hang on that's because you're working part-time or that's because you're not working at the moment because you're raising the kids you know the cost of replacing you if you back at work your husband would have to help pay for the cost of a nanny or childcare or whatever it may be. So I think it's really important that we have financial equality in our relationships. And I work um, four days a week at the moment and I'll probably continue on with that. And, and Tom has always said, no, we're a team. There's none of this. Well, I earn more. So I make, I hold the power or I make all the decisions or I control the money. It's, it's completely equal and fair. That's so good, Kenna, and thank you for being so open and sharing all of that. Um, I would love to know for people who are maybe in their 30s or 40s or even older than that listening today and thinking, I don't know that I have the time I wish I had invested and or made better financial decisions in my 20s. I feel like it might have been, too late. you know, um, it might be too yeah. late for me. What would you say to that? I'd say that's absolute pile of rubbish. It's never, ever too late. Um, I actually have a podcast coming up in about three weeks on my um, podcast channel, Sugar Mama's Financial Foreplay. And it's, I have a, I've interviewed a lady who's about 52 
And only two years ago, she started investing and she now has two investment properties in a diversified share portfolio. Oh my yeah, gosh. It, it is. It really, and she, she said, you know, she, her husband was the work primary breadwinner. She, I think had a part-time job, maybe doing bookkeeping or something like that. And it's an incredible story. And she's like, you know what, when I decided to just get on and do something, it's amazing what I did, what I could, could do. And she explains her story and, and how she did it all and started from scratch. And it's never too late. And this is the thing, I've built a $185,000 portfolio in five years um, or almost six years. And that it's, it's what you do with your time. It's got nothing to do with how, like, obviously starting early in life is brilliant and fantastic. It's never too early to start investing. And even my children now have shares, but you can, it's amazing you how much, how quickly and easily you can make up for lost time. Yeah. So that's crap for anyone that wants to say that. That's just an excuse to <laughs> cop out. And they will like cop the wrath of me giving you them the biggest kick up the pants and wake up call. Not true. No, and, I love it. And you know what? In the nicest possible the way. Nicest, <laughs> was, I wear nice shoes when I do the kick up the bum. But, um, <laughs> but the thing is it, you, we all actually have money. Like if you have superannuation, that's your investment portfolio. It's just locked away, for removing temptation for your benefit. That is your share portfolio. People think they don't own shares, but I'm like, would you have super? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, where is it? I'm like, oh, look, there you go. You own shares because the managed funds own shares. Where would people begin? Uh, by doing a budget, by getting rid of toxic debt. What yeah. What are the What are the couple of steps? Budget is for for everyone. But I, like I have clients because I have a financial planning practice, and um, some of my clients are extremely wealthy. And the wealthiest ones actually have the the best budgets. They're not strict mean budgets, but they are. They they know exactly where their money goes. They know exactly how much money they need to live. They know exactly what upcoming expenses that were coming in, especially the you know the ad hoc ones. They're so in control of their money. Um, so budgeting is not just for people who are in debt. It's, it's to help you maintain your wealth as well and build your wealth. So having a better budget is important. Next is having goals. If you don't have any financial goals, you will drift financially. You'll be sitting in the same spot, you know, on the 6th of January, 2022, in the same financial position. You wouldn't have, you would have missed a lot of opportunity. So having goals that excite you, you know, it's ones that make you want to jump out of bed, make you feel inspired, make you feel motivated. They're the goals that you want to focus on building. Of course, I, I hate to say it, but you, you you should have goals to get out of debt. So if you're in credit card debt or you're a car loan or a personal loan, you need to incorporate amongst the fun financial goals some of some goals to get rid of that debt because the quicker you get rid of that debt, the, you free up your cash flow then to go into the exciting ones such as investing or saving up for your first home or saving up for your first investment property. Such good advice. Now, I, I know that you've got to get back to your children and your days. So I've got a couple of questions that I usually finish up on. The first is, what would be your number one confidence tip? And it can be about general confidence mm-hmm. or it can be about confidence with money. Oh, um, I think... My best confidence tip is uh, self-talk. Switch your language. Don't use the word can't, no, not, don't, won't. It's always put in a positive form where you feel empowered. Like I am getting better at using money. I'm enjoying using money in a more responsible way. Like focus always from a, a positive place of love and kindness when you talk about money and that will slowly and steadily raise your vibration and your, your confidence level and you'll start to shine. Yeah, I love that tip. Um, is there a, a book that you would recommend that has really helped you on your way in your confidence journey? 
Oh, um, there's a book that was had a huge life-changing impact on my life, probably in my early 20s, and it's called Harmonic Wealth by a guy called James Arthur, but I have heard he's now in jail, so I don't know if I I know. Uh, You know what? I read that because I read it as one of your recommendations mm. in the back of the $1,000 project, and I loved that book. And then there was this huge scandal scandal. surrounding him. However, I think the book is still really worth reading. There's still so many powerful messages in that book. And I have to say, I read that, like the, the time difference, like the time lag between writing that book and then the scandal that went down is so something's happened. There's a very dangerous growth in between. Um, I don't know what's going on, but um, so it is a very, very, it is a brilliant book for getting balance back in your life because I think sometimes we can get, especially when people who are like the A type personalities, they can go like money, health, relationship, like, you know, that you just have these like key goals. But what about spirituality? What about your intellectual growth? You know, what, what about your relationship growth, like internally and with others? Like there's, it's a, I think it's a beautiful book for like an all-rounded like g- growth. I would agree. From a financial perspective though, I would have to recommend Motivated Money by Peter Thornhill. For oh, yes, year. I've got that on my list. It's I've so got that good. on my list. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and he just looks like such a beautiful, calm, wise person to, to give advice about money. He is, and, you know, he is the – the, I've known him for many, many years and he's been a bit of a mentor to me. And, and I remember um, writing Mindful Money was was a very tough challenge because there were lots of dramas going on with the publication. But he, I called him, I'm like, Peter, I'm just struggling with this book. I'm on a huge deadline now. And he came to my office. I, it, I printed him off all these, I printed him off my my last draft and he just was so kind sat down with me and he's like you're trying to put too much in this book he's like you've got to take stuff out like he, but he is just the most incredible man he's got so incredibly patient and he will give everyone anyone his time to help them get better with money and to see wow. through the, the the dark confusing clouds of of finance and investing in shares Wow. And my final question is a bit of a personal sure. one. What are you working on in yourself right now to get you to where you next want to be in your confidence journey? Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, oh, well, at the moment, I'm just in the thick of IVF at the moment. So my my headspace at the moment, I've had horrendous reactions to medications. I've literally been throwing up um, nonstop. So my headspace is all over the place. So at the moment, I really feel like what I need is to really um, to slow down and spend some more time on just on me, and actually focusing on, uh, I guess, expanding my my mindset. Um, I've been living and breathing sugar mama and personal finance for so many years. I just feel like I need to learn other things in my life right now, from getting better from cooking, from um, uh, getting better at being more present with my children to, um, you know, being more connected to my partner, like, and, you know, being fitter and healthier and stronger. So probably not the answer or probably not even the answer to your question at all, but. No, um, it definitely yeah, is. I, I feel like you need to duplicate yourself, Kenna. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> or maybe in triplicate. <laughs> so, yeah, I think this is the, just trying to, um, uh, I guess, unload um, and just, but also like, look at where I spend my time and energy and, um, and, you know, being able to have time to read books that are not non-financial books. And, um, you know, just, I feel like, you know, just be normal for a while and just be, and just come back to that 
simplicity really that's what I guess I'm trying to say I love that and I want to say thank you not only for helping me at a time in my life when I really needed to pick up your book but so many other men and women all around the world and for continuing to show up even when you don't feel so great (laughs) you you still keep showing up so thank you so much my pleasure it's important that I help help people as much as I possibly can because it's it's a tough challenging frightening world out there and I, you know, one thing I know when I was through going through a really rough time and was in a, a dark place, you know, all I wanted to do was find someone that had gone through what I'd gone through and come out the other side smiling. So when I did come out the other side eventually with a lot of people who helped me get through the other side, I wanted to make sure that I would then be there for those people going through it. And, um, and you know, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger, but you need someone there shining that torch and being a cheerleader along the way. Stay connected by following Claiming Your Confidence or me, Katrina Blowers, on Instagram. For more information on this or other episodes, head to katrinablowers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and make sure you share it with anyone you think would benefit from a confidence pick-me-up. Claiming Your Confidence is created and produced by me, Katrina Blowers. Audio thanks to Term 6 Podcast Productions. I hope you're having a great week. Thank you for listening to Claiming Your Confidence.